so good. So Jason said I have 45 minutes. No? Okay. Darn. We want to share with you four stories that convey a bit of our history and point to this feast. Romans 11, 17 and 18 says, And you have been grafted in and now share in the nourishing sap from the root. The root supports you. Stories are a crucial element of social communication. They convey information to people who were not part of the original event so that they can enable the listener to enter into the event and become part of that experience. In Calgary, there is an apple tree in our cousin's backyard. It produces three different kinds of apples. It does that because in the past, cuttings from different apple trees have been grafted into it. Since moving here three months ago, we have had the opportunity to share our story and to hear a number of your stories. Recently, I've heard stories about how this congregation acquired this property and built this building. Now, the building and the property are simply tangible things. They are not this church. This church, this local body, is there. It's you, the people. However, the story of the acquisition of the property and the building are important. How the property was purchased debt-free. How various people came together with their skills and resources to construct the building. How even people from the community who weren't members of this church, who weren't believers, they volunteered their skills and their resources to build this building. These stories are part of the root system of this church. It's part of a root system of a tree that is this local body. They appeared hidden and in the past. But they speak of the character and the strength of this body. They provide sustenance to you. They remind us of God's provision yesterday and his continued provision today and into tomorrow. They anchor us to a physical location and help to define our purpose and our mission. For those of you who were here at the beginning of this local church, it's important for you from time to time to remind yourselves of those stories, of that history. The retelling of the story reminds you and those who have joined you of God's provision in your unity. It is also crucial for those of us who come to join you, to be grafted into you. It's crucial for us because it informs us of the character and strength of this body. We are joining. It is crucial for us, the branch being grafted in, to learn and understand the essence, the character, the purpose, and the mission of this body. For the branch grafted into the tree draws from the roots, and only then can it grow, become a part of the tree, and bear fruit. As many of you know, Dan and I moved here three months ago from Calgary after my father died last summer, and we purchased his home here on Kootenay Lake. However, the story of our move here began much earlier than last year. For years, whenever we visited this area and visited my dad, we would come to this church on Sundays. While we always enjoyed our visits here, it was still not our home church, 
our hearts and service were in Calgary, where we attended a, a small vineyard church of about 30 people. We were involved in various aspects of that church body and, and still have really good friendships there today. But then, over a period of about nine months, God began calling us to leave that church in Calgary. There was nothing wrong. There was no broken relationships or disagreements. It was just a still, small voice that got stronger and clearer as the months progressed, calling us to leave that church. This was a difficult decision for us and one we didn't fully understand. But as we prayed together, we were unified and we knew that it was God's will and that we needed to obey, even though we didn't even know where we were going to go to church next. And so last April, we left our church home after attending there for seven years. When we left, we did not know that only three months later, my father would become ill and pass away. We did not know that I would be spending the summer and fall here in this area, looking after my father's home as Dan continued to work in Calgary. Over the summer and fall of 2016, as we considered buying my dad's home and moving here, we remembered and recounted the stories of how for the past three years, in small, almost imperceptible ways, God had been drawing us here to this area and this body. For example, before my father became ill, when Dan would practice for worship times at our home in Calgary, he began to picture, oftentimes, often he would picture the Calgary congregation that we worshipped with while he was practicing at home. But over time, that picture changed to not so much the faces of specific people in this church, but rather Dan began to picture this sanctuary as he practiced. At that time, he thought that was rather odd, as this was well before my dad was ill and we weren't thinking of moving here at that time. In hindsight, we see this as a small way in which God was calling us to this area. There are many significant stories of how God has led and guided us through the process of selling our Calgary home and moving us here in the depth of definitely the heaviest winter in a long time. But suffice to say, God has called us out of Calgary and is now grafting us into this community and this church. I enjoy politics. I enjoy the thrust and parry, the argument and the rebuttal of the discussion and the debate of ways to solve common problems. I've held executive offices with political parties and I've even run for public office. Tuesday, we go to the polls to elect a provincial government. Voting like democracy is more than a right, it's a responsibility. And I urge you to exercise that responsibility. However, despite my enjoyment of politics and my solid belief that it is a crucial responsibility for civil governance, I'm very aware that politics divides. Politics is fallible. It is rife with evil despite its noble intention. It pits one idea against another. It throws neighbor against neighbor. It personifies the disagreement and differences between us. 
even as we are striving to solve our common concerns. And politicians, the candidates and their parties, simply reflect that corrosive nature inherent in the political process. In the final analysis, despite the stated ambition of unity and community, politics divides. Its failure is because it is simply human striving to solve human problems. It is doomed for failure because its root, human effort, is the cause of the problems it's trying to solve. So while I urge you to assess the various candidates and then make a decision and vote for the candidate you feel best represents you, I will also strongly urge you to pray. But I'm going to challenge you to pray in a special way. When you vote, or even now if you've already determined who you're going to vote for, I want you to think about the candidate you least want to support. The candidate you wish to never see elected. The candidate whose party policies you find abhorrent. I want you to pray for them. Pray that God will strengthen them. Pray that he will provide them with wisdom and strength and courage. That he will support them and their family relationships. That he will comfort and sustain them through this time of decision. You see, every single one of those candidates, everyone whose signs we pass as we drive down the highway, they have given up time, resources, and privacy as they have put their name and their family time on the line for what they believe is best for us. Every one of them, they're tired today. They have logged countless miles. They have strained their throats. They are genuinely seeking to serve us. Their intentions are good and noble. And for every candidate that wins, there's four or five that loses those four or five will feel like losers. They aren't, but they will feel that way. They will feel like failures, but they aren't failures. They will, they will feel rejected, but they aren't rejected. I know this because I lost my campaign for public office. I failed in my race. I was rejected by the voters in my writing. So when you think about and vote for the candidate you want to win, pray for the candidate you want to lose. Now why am I bringing politics into this talk? Because we have all been thinking about the Liberals or the NDP or the Greens or a couple of guys that have the courage to run as independents in this writing. But you know what? We are all politicians. We all wrestle with ourselves and with one another. Whether it's within a marriage relationship and you try to sort through some things that you need to come up with in a family, there's political happenings that's going on. There's a political process as you struggle with one another. Whether you're working with your neighbor on trying to figure out how to, to best sort of do the landscaping around a property. Whether you're working with a colleague at work. We are all politicians. One of the stories I heard about the roots of how this building was built was the contest, the debate, the divisiveness that could have happened over whether to put in a concrete floor.
You have a concrete floor now. I pray that in that whole process, in that whole political process of deciding what kind of floor to put in here, nobody said, I hate concrete floors, I'm leaving. But the potential is there. We are all politicians. If we cannot deal with loving our enemy in a political process, whether it's politics for provincial government or whether it's politics within church or whether it's politics between neighbors or between work colleagues, if we can't do that, okay, then we cannot be a light to this world. See, I want you to pray for the candidate that you don't want to win because that's going to help you pray for your neighbor or pray for your work colleague or pray for your spouse or pray for your brother or sister when you have conflicts within those various work environments. Because if we can't do that, if we can't pray for our enemies, we will not be a light to the world. We will not be a city on a hill. We will not be a small little community that is attractive to those that are not part of us, to draw them in and they want to be a part of us. The church is supposed to be counterculture. It needs to be the antithesis of politics. The root of politics is human striving and human effort to solve human problems and it results in failure. The root of the church is Jesus. Where politics and human effort divides, Jesus unifies. Ephesians 2, 11 11 to 22 says, Remember that we who are Gentiles by birth, at that time we were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. But now in Christ Jesus, we who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation, grafted into this tree of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him we too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This brings us to the last story, this feast. The feast is the bridging of the Jewish faith with the Christian faith. The Passover supper, the Passover feast, was the central feast of the Jewish faith. It has evolved and become the Lord's Supper, the central feast for us. It tells the story of our beginnings and reminds us of both God's provision and promise. Both feasts speak of God's faithfulness. For the Jews, the Passover spoke firstly of redemption from slavery. The Passover meal has many elements, each serving as a symbol of some portion of the Passover story, 
where the angel of the Lord, passed, angel of death, passed over the houses marked by the blood of the Passover lamb. Secondly, it speaks of the promise of a Messiah. In the Passover meal, there is four cups. The fourth cup of the feast is called the cup of Elijah. It is a cup that is filled but not consumed. It is set aside as a symbol of waiting for Elijah the prophet to come and announce the Messiah. For us today, the communion speaks firstly of Jesus' death. The bread broken speaks of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and redeems us from the captivity of sin. And secondly, Jesus' promised return, the cup after supper. When we read the stories of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, it says, after supper he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. The cup after supper is actually the third cup of the Passover. The fourth cup being the cup of Elijah, the cup after supper is the third one. And it's filled and it's called the cup of salvation. And it refers to the blood that was spread on the doorpost. Jesus called it the blood of the new covenant. And as he passed this cup, he said, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. That foreshadows and alludes to the cup of Elijah that is set aside, that is not normally consumed when the humans take Passover, but is set aside in anticipation of when Messiah comes. And Jesus says, I will drink again of the fruit of the vine when I return with you in my Father's kingdom. He will drink the cup again when it's the fourth cup of Elijah and he comes as Messiah. And so for now, for us, we take this and we declare by the blood and the bread, we declare his death until he comes. The feast reminds us of how Jesus grafted us together with the Jews into a unified body in which God resides by his spirit. It also reminds us of despite our differences, we come together as one body to share one bread broken to share one cup passed around. The grafting together destroys the dividing wall of hostility and human effort. Jesus said to his disciples at the Last Supper, I have longed to share this meal with you. As Dan and I have reflected on how God has guided us over the past couple of years to this place and this time, we feel that in a similar way, we can also say, we have longed to share this meal with you. Dan Diane, thank you.